Grace and peace are yours from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text this morning is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed in Christ, in class last week, we were discussing the ways that various mergers between Lutheran church bodies that weren't in agreement doctrinally take place. One way is for people to fall into doctrinal indifference. And I asked the class, how might they describe such indifference? And one student defined it with a word that characterizes so much of how we view things today. Meh. You find that attitude displayed by many in how they think about the end of the world and the second coming of Christ. It's an easy attitude into which we can fall. It is an attitude addressed by St. Peter in his second letter. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. While we may imagine that God has forgotten about the end of the world, his word tells us the opposite. It is coming, and none of us will escape it. Paul, in this second letter to the church at Thessalonica, was dealing with a different problem, uh, at least in our part of the text, than indifference to the coming of Christ. Some were worried that they had missed it. There was a fear, perhaps, that they had been left behind, that Jesus had forgotten them or dismissed them as not worthy to be part of his everlasting kingdom. Neither a dismissive shrug about the coming of Christ, nor the hyperactive fear which falls into thinking we're all doomed, is a faithful response to God's word about the end times. Rather, we are to prepare for that day, trusting that indeed it could come at any time, while at the same time believing God's promises that we are his children through faith in Jesus Christ, and that he will never forget us. One of the signs of the proximity of the last day is apostasy, the falling away from the truth of God's word by one who at one time believed it. Apostasy is a subset of idolatry. While there are many signs given to us that will be noticeable outside the bounds of the Christian church, 
there are those signs that occur within the church too. And one of those is apostasy. Apostasy is a deadly spiritual state. It is one detailed for us in the Old Testament when we read through the history of the kings of Israel. And 2 Kings chapter 17 serves to summarize for us what happened in those centuries from 930 to 722 BC. We read, The Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes in accordance with all the law that I commanded your fathers and that I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. But they would not listen, but were stubborn as their fathers had been who did not believe in the Lord their God. The very nation chosen by God, these descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, walked away from the Lord who had saved them and who still sought them. In his place, they put the gods and goddesses of the Canaanites, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Assyrians. The destruction of Samaria, followed by the destruction of Jerusalem, are testimony to the seriousness of God's warning to turn from false teaching, evil ways, idolatry, and to return to the Lord. These last few weeks of the end of the church year serve to teach us and to remind us of the second coming of Christ so that we may be ready and not found shaken, troubled, or deceived. These warnings are needed in our day as much as any other era in the past centuries. The Christian church is beset by enemies within and without. False teaching in the church is rightly understood as the breaking of the second commandment. That goes, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And we uh, explain that in the words of Luther when he wrote, we should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, practice witchcraft, lie, or deceive by his name, but call upon him in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. Do you see where false teaching is categorized in that? It is those words, lie, or deceive, by his name. False doctrine, false teaching, is using the name of God to provide cover for what is false. As God said to Jeremiah, and from the prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They have also healed the hurt of my people slightly, saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. Words which the false teachers want to give some sort of comfort really have no consolation in them at all. Rather, all that is done is to dull consciences to the word of the Lord which had called for repentance. When that which God defines as sin is instead made into a virtue, an act of love, then we are hearing in our own day the words of peace, peace, when there is no peace. That is the danger of our day. It is deadly, leading to apostasy, and finally eternal death. We who are given the work of teaching the word of God are answerable for the souls to whom God has sent us to proclaim his word. If or when we bring delusions, dreams, or fantasies with the claim that they are God's, then we deserve to be brought up short to learn that we are healing the hurt of God's people slightly. Picture someone with a wound so deep 
that he's bleeding out. And your solution is, let me see if this sticky note will make it all better. Such a teacher of God's word needs to be shut down. We dare not presume that such, that such treason against God is impossible among us, as if we can let down our guard. We cannot. We who are given the office of the public preaching of the word of God are accountable to God, but also to you, as we must warn and call upon you to repent of your doctrinal indifference so also must we who stand in this pulpit be called upon to bring to you the pure, unadulterated word of God. And none of us should think that this is an easy thing. It is the work, though, which God gives to preachers and to hearers, to be faithful in speaking and to be faithful in hearing. By God's grace, we have the truth of God's word still among us, that living and active word, which brings sin to light and which gives us Jesus, his healing for our wounds. His healing is not slight, but thorough and total. His absolving word still rings out for all of you, you are forgiven. Believe that word and let no one dilute it or diminish it. Stand firm in the power of God's own son and his word, for they are for you and not even the gate of hell can stand against it. That is what will be made plain to all on the last day. And so lift up your heads, and do not be fearful, but confident in Christ your Savior. The church shall never perish, her dear Lord, to defend, to guide, sustain, and cherish is with her to the end. Though there be those that hate her, false sons within her pale, against both foe and traitor, she ever shall prevail. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.